time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out with Paul. It's a Wednesday, the 6th of July. It's steaming hot outside. I saw oh. your message earlier with the, the traffic update that it's bad out there this it morning. It was bad this morning, and it's hot this morning. <laughs> oh. And um, I'm at that point in the summer where we're just feeling a little bit... <sighs> but now I'm in the studio. Yes. I'm all up and ready. I'm, I'm excited. It's air conditioning. It's cool and crisp I mean, in it's, here. It's all right. It's not, <laughs> not as cool as I would like it. You're not as cool as I would like you to be. Listen, I'm getting cooler and cooler as the weeks go by. Why are you looking at your phone? I was going to read a message, but I've completely lost it. And I don't think it was actually for you. Oh, you'll like it anyway. Sherry sent in a photo of their cat, Oliver, just chilling there. Oh, that's beautiful. You're a cat It's a beautiful lover. cat, Sherry. Sherry, I do love a cat. I saw a cat the other day in an apartment and they had um, set up a box for it, you know, like some of the residents. Mm. And I don't know, I think some of the residents are not happy because they don't want to encourage like street cats. And then other residents are like, well, let's give it a home. Yeah, are you I, falling on that side? I, I, absolutely. I mean, every every creature deserves a little bit of love and respect, don't they? A little box, yeah. Why not? I mean, you're not doing anyone any harm. I saw that you saw these on the weekend as well. Those love bugs that were copulating all over the place. Did you see them? They were on my spectacles. Yeah, those as well. Do you think they deserve a little love? They do. I shook <laughs> them off. That was it. That's fine. Look, it's fine. I love I love all animals. I just can't necessarily eat a whole one. Not all of them, uh, but. The time being, getting into today's book that you previewed last week, but I completely forgot. Sorry. Sorry. There's a look of disgust. What, uh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I want you forgot. to recap what it is. That's your All job, right. right? Okay. Today, we've got a story that yes. sort of follows up on last week's book. Oh! You remember what last week's book was? No. I want to die, but I want to eat topoki. Was that only last week? That was only last like week. like a month ago or so. Oh, wow. Goodness. Okay. It's because of the rainy season. Um, yeah. So rather than conversations with a therapist, we've got a woman's return to past moments in a foreign land. Oh. It's called... And the fest, and then the festival. Kurigo Chukche. Oh. It's written by E. He Gyeong, and it's translated by Bruce Fulton and Juchan Fulton. Tale of a writer taking a trip to Bali oh. and finding moments of a past as she spends her days there. Interesting. Is this like based on the writer's actual experiences, just like last week's book? Then no. Oh, it's fictional. It's a story. Oh, okay, completely made up. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not going to say it's completely made up, <laughs> but it's fiction. So we're looking at the cover here. Uh, yes. And now we're looking at Windows 10. Um, but the author did they write this a while back? Is this like a relatively new tome? Ah, uh, yeah. No, no. This is this is going back a decade or so. Okay. Uh, it's Lee Hae Young. She was uh, born in 1960 in Boryong in Chungcheong Namdo province. You can see her on the cover of the book there. Mm-hmm. She graduated from Kyung University in Korean language and literature, made her literary debut in 1982, oh. but didn't actually make it full-time as a writer properly until the mid-90s, okay. when she had her first full-length novel published, A Home on the Wayside. 
Uh, but she's gone on to become a multiple award-winning writer. She's won some of the big awards, like the Hanguk Ilbo Literary Award in 1998, the Hyundai Munhak Literary Award in 2002, the Ihe Sok Literary Award in that same year, the Isu Literary Award in 2006, and the Dongin Literary Award in 2006. And this novella was nominated for the Isang Literature Award in 2009. Ooh, amazing. But we don't have a lot of her work in English. Aww. We only have one full novel in English. That's A House on the Road, which was translated into English in 2011 by Subin Lee. But we also have this novella. Ah, so it took her more than a decade to get her first full-length novel published. It takes a while, Peter. Don't judge. It rang a bell in my head, though, because we're talking about there's this trending career for people to now just go and publish their books by themselves, right? You just go to you a can. publisher, or, or not, not like a traditional publisher, because they have to vet your work. You go to these new ones... And you have to pay for X amount of copies. Yeah. But then you can try and get them into independent bookstores and sell them yourselves. Apparently, young females are doing this a lot just to get a kind of sense of achievement that they've published a book. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, it's not the same as publishing a book. Through a real publisher that's been vetted and stuff. (laughs) But it's hard. It's hard to do that, I know. It is indeedy. The translators, we've talked about this couple team before a few times, right? We have co-translators and husband and wife Bruce and Juchan Fulton. They met here in Korea when Bruce was volunteering in the Peace Corps back in 1978. Uh, They've translated so many works of Korean literature together. We're talking uh, over 30 or so. And they've done all sorts. We feature them several times. The Mm -hmm. last time, I think, was for One Left by Kim Soom which was that powerful novel based on the true stories of comfort women. Oh, yes. Um, they've, they've done so many. Too many to mention. Look I want up you to mention names. them all. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just going to leave. Pulling your leg gonna today, leave. Paul. Look, if you go on the internet, if you search for Bruce Fulton, Juchan Fulton, you'll mm. come up with a list of fantastic translations. I say this about certain translators we have on the show. When mm. their names are on the cover of the book, you know you're going to get a good translation. You know, I do think two heads are better than one. Of course, we have fantastic fantastically talented single translators but when you're getting both perspectives and you know i think i'm right in assuming bruce you know has a english native background and chucha maybe a korean native background you can come up with some amazing detailed translations like i do this with my wife from time to time and yeah i sometimes feel like i'm cheating because i claim it's all me but my wife gives some amazing input and you get some amazing translations well that's the thing about this couple is that they're very open and straightforward about the fact they're translating Mm. together and you need to give your wife credit <laughs> for what she's doing with you. All right, I will in the future, perhaps. Uh, where do we start with the first reading then? Set the scene for us. First page, nothing to set. <laughs> Here we go then. Siska uh, was asking if this is set in Bali. It then. is set in Bali, for oh, the most part. So some of our Indonesian listeners are very excited. Let's take it away with excerpt one. There he was again on my cell phone. Jin, my former boss. He'd been after me the last three days, one message or text after another. I'd seen them gathering on my call log, but hadn't responded. The last time I saw him was three months ago. I could almost feel his affectionate pat on the shoulder when we parted after our heavy, hearty bowls of wake-up soup, and I decided I could avoid him no longer. Hey babe, how come you're not picking up? You got me worried. Did something else happen? Are you sick? Did you go off somewhere? I was used to the jaunty tone and the hey babe, which he used with every woman in the office, but the tinge 
of concern in that voice felt like fool's first frost. No, no, and no, and the reason is just because. Just because what? Is the estimable Kangji son hiding out because of our little tete-a-tete? No? Then venture forth from your den and pester me for a drink. What are you up to anyway? Busy, busy, busy? Not really. That's my girl. If you've got time on your hands, then I've got just the assignment for you. Remember when you ditched me and took off to learn a language? In Indonesia, right? So, how'd you like to take a little junket to Bali? Welcome to Arirang Radio. If you are in Jeju, 88.7 in Jeju City. 88.1 in Sogipu City. 101.9 in the Daejeong area. Uh, Miss Braddock is saying, and we're off on a little junket to Bali. Let's go. I'm imagining you're doing it in the sleazy voice that oh, Paul yes. did it as well. We all love a little bit of a sleazy <laughs> voice. <laughs> I don't know. I really got attracted to it. But like thinking about this in the cold light of day, yes. it doesn't sound like a lovely boss. But she doesn't seem to like hate him. At least I don't get that from this first reading. Do they have a, a good relationship? Have they had a little bit of hanky-panky? Oh, they have a bit of an odd relationship. Um, he's sexist, he's macho, and yet he always treats her really well. Oh. So she may be a middle-aged woman with no makeup, but he would always say to his staff, she is the woman of all women. Oh, so he like picks her out in particular. Yeah, I think nice. because she's a great writer. Okay. She's a hard worker. They... And they're the opposite of each other. And opposites uh-huh. sometimes do attract. Yeah. And that's why their friendship works, perhaps. And so this is 10 years after she quit a writing job at his magazine. She oh, wrote for him for a long years. time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And he offers her this chance to go to a writer's festival in Bali, the country where she had spent time before. Nice. And at first, he's all sort of puffed up peacock. Hey, here's <laughs> the job for you. But uh-huh. the more he talks, the more he lets his feathers sort of sink down uh-huh. and reveals that he... None of the other writers are up to it. The younger writers, they miss their deadlines. They're not good enough. He needs a safe pair of hands, and that's why he wants her to do it. Oh, so he needs her as much as vice versa, perhaps. Yes, and so, and then the festival. A writer's festival in Bali. Lovely. So she arrives to tighten security. There's been a recent spate of bombings. Ah. And she begins to cover the festival and its surroundings. And she makes sure that she gets good pictures for the high-class readers of the magazine that she's going to be writing for. And she describes the events to the readers. And there are speeches that are given. And in each one, the writers giving the speeches end end with the phrase, Mm. Om Shanti 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 Om. Oh, do we get a translation of that? A little later, perhaps. She tries the local liquor, Arak, gets a little bit tipsy. She enjoys the party mood. And then she thinks back to her time in Bali about an old friend, a Japanese friend named Miyako, how they chatted together, how they had fun together, and how, well, things started to go wrong. Oh, in her previous stay there. Let's pick up the second reading. When I first arrived in Indonesia, I felt an extravagant sense of wealth whenever I exchanged American dollars for rupees. 
And then the people got fed up with the soaring prices and took to the streets. They're gentle folk who would just as soon shake hands and walk away from a fender bender with a smile, whereas back home the principals would start shouting first thing. But gathering inside them like lava was rage at the government that had long ago seized power and through its corruption made a mess of their lives. That anger erupted and the ethnic Chinese, whose commercial supremacy allowed them to manipulate prices like an accordion, couldn't avoid the flames. Fires and looting broke out. Chinese women were supposedly being raped and the killing started. Jisun, have you heard from your embassy? We're getting non-stop warnings. I've never seen our officials so agitated. Miyako's face was troubled. She didn't know what to do. The small city where I lived was still relatively quiet. There were less than a dozen Koreans there and I had nothing to do with them. I was out of touch. But then... The demonstrations arrived at that quiet place, and there was a fatality. We just got the last call from our embassy to evacuate. They can't guarantee our safety if we're not out by this week, and we need to avoid Jakarta. It's dangerous there. They want us to go to Bali. Let's go together. The sight of Miyako and my other Japanese acquaintances packing scared me into action. I was only moving from one island to another, but Bali was so peaceful. It felt like a different world. I went with that relaxing flow, and then it was time to go home. There's quite a lot of upheaval here then in, in Indonesia proper, or, well, not Bali. And yeah. then they're advised to go out there. I do remember when there were bombings in that area, even in Bali as well. Right? Well, exactly. Well, this book is set just after the Bali bombings. Uh-huh. But previously there have been all sorts of issues going on. It's, you know, it's, it, there, were, there were turbulent times at some point uh-huh. in the early 20th century. So some of the backdrop to this is like factual, actual kind of events that were happening or, or the atmosphere at least. Yeah, exactly, yes. And, and it also reflects on her inside uh-huh. what's happening in her own mind this mm. turbulence it's sort of taking what's happening or happened outside but what's also happening inside wow so she was living there we learned earlier that it was to learn maybe the language and making friends from other countries rather than korea maybe trying to immerse herself more yeah. in there so she was there for a while uh yes so so yes this was um uh This was when she quit her job, the 10 years before. And she she wanted to move away, move to a different country. Mm. And so she went to Indonesia. But we only get hints of this. She was there for a time, but the time is not specific. And I see Siska is asking, hang on, when was this book written? (laughs) Um, This was, uh, let me just check, I've got it right here. It won the award in 2009. I think Uh it was published either 2009 or 2008, which was just after the Bali bombings. So I I may be wrong, Siska, you know, I'm sure your country's history much better than I do. Sure. But just to clarify that for you. And then this excerpt is from her time, like, way back, maybe 10 years before Well, a few years at least. Okay. So, so, yes, and we discover that when she left Indonesia, mm. she met a Korean man on the plane, and they oh. started chatting. Okay. And they started getting on, and then they eventually decided to get married. Oh, so she's married. We'll get to that. Okay. 
And then we get back to the festival and she, she's planning which session to attend based on what might interest the magazine's readers. And she picks one called Writing Women in Asia. Mm-hmm. And she hears from three different speakers talking about their different experiences in different countries in Southeast Asia and uh-huh. their worries and their problems as women writers. And each offer a very different perspective. They're honest with their struggles with oppression and violence and the issues that they have. Okay. And then she thinks about her wedding day. So this was when she came back from from Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And on the wedding day, when her abuser from her childhood, her uncle, appears. Oh, dear. And she has to run to the bathroom to throw up. Oh, no. And how just the sight of him turned what was a happy pre-marriage intimate relationship with her fiancé into something else. Oh, no. After that incident, after that day, suddenly... She's reverted to being that scared 12-year-old girl again. Oh, no, just by seeing her uncle who had abused her when she was young. Yeah. And then we're back at the festival. She's interviewing someone called Alice from Australia who's Mm. been living in Bali for a while. She's written a guide on cooking traditional Bali cuisine. And she came to Bali in her 20s and she Mm -hmm. fell in love, got married. And as they're talking, an old friend of Alice's comes up and Mm. they talk and the talk turns to the Bali bombings. And they talk about the death of her friend's husband and Mm. how her friend has kept going and made a new life for herself, but also how hard it's been. It's rather tragic. Yeah, and that makes her think more about her marriage, her memories of her marriage, and how badly just seeing her uncle again affected her. Mm. And she talks to her husband. Her husband knows. About the past. Yeah, but but it's really difficult. She can't get over it, and he... He's trying, but he finds it really hard to understand why she can't get past it. Mm. And then we're back in the present, and she's heading to the airport. She's going to buy gifts for Jin and for her husband. And that afternoon, before she goes to the airport, she has a dizzy spell. Doesn't call an ambulance, but she just wishes for her husband to be with her. And then she remembers that soon after she pushed away her husband after their wedding, she... went out for a drink with Jin and they ended up spending the night at a motel fully clothed they just held each other oh but it was then she realized she was at a point of no return with her husband and she moved into a studio apartment this is back then but she's buying gifts now for her husband yeah so she's still there's still a some sort of relationship there we're never we're never given all the information but what we know is a woman who is in some ways running away from her past, but also running into her past by coming to Bali. Mm. It's bringing everything up again. And that moment of the Bali bombings, the breaking of her relationship, they seem tied together with pain, and her talking with Alice and meeting her friend brings it all back. Mm, Absolutely. A tragic time in history, certainly for Bali and Indonesia. And Siska actually personally affected by that, one of our listeners, and saying that would be definitely an interesting book to read, for sure. I'm in London. I'm in Australia. Tokyo. The Philippines. Finland. Indonesia. New York. Arirang Radio. Radio. Now live in Seoul. Alice's words were full of regret at the failure to heed the prediction. But what could anyone have wanted to stop? A suicide bomber with explosives strapped to his body, or a speeding vehicle loaded with bombs? 
The girl's heart had fluttered in anticipation as she left for her aunt's place in the city during summer vacation. Was it all a coincidence that her cousins had gone to see a movie? And she was left alone, recovering from a cold and taking a fitful nap? At the Tropical Island nightclub, drunken tourists were tapping their toes to the music. Was it all a coincidence if someone intending to go there turned back because of the noise and went elsewhere? Did I have any inkling I would marry a man sitting next to me on a plane I boarded at this very airport? I traverse these various inevitabilities as I listen to the boarding announcement for the flight that will take me home. As I hand the boarding pass to the agent, I feel a gentle movement of my lips. Om Shanti, 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 Om. The finishing touch to the remarks of each of the speakers at the opening night gala. Alice had explained the meaning of this mantra. Om Shanti means peace to all. You say it three times. Once for spiritual pain. Once for physical suffering. And last, to regain peace after a natural disaster. That's interesting, those three things that you're saying it for three times. Spiritual pain, yeah, get that, physical suffering. And then after a natural disaster, I guess this region of the world, maybe. Uh, yeah, but also the, it's also any sort of big incident in mm -hmm. your life. For her. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. That's all right. I need a drink of water, Peter. Take it away. It reminded me of a song that I used to sing at hymn time in assembly in the UK. We used to sing, <coughs> Shalom, Shalom, may peace be with you. And I don't know, it kind of touched me. And then it was in a different language. Yes. Also made it more memorable. I don't know why. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so it's, <clears throat> I don't know, it's, it's a feeling of pain and healing. Mm. And perhaps, just perhaps... She's exercised some of the demons of her past, and I've exercised the <laughs> cough in my throat. <laughs> Do excuse me. Keep going. Getting emotional. It. It's all right. Miss, Miss Bradica says, what an <clears throat> intricately woven story. So much so that I feel a little overwhelmed by what has transpired already. Um, and yeah, it is interesting how it bounces about in her lifetime. And then, I don't know, is it really dealing with the narrator, the writer's kind of feelings directly or is it like a story about going to a festival in bali i can't quite tell like last week it was very much about this person's pain and speaking to the psychiatrist and yeah. stuff this seems a little bit more open to interpretation perhaps for me it feels like these are it's asking questions of serendipity and fate mm. you know was she always destined to live this life was mm. she destined to meet her husband on that plane ride back from indonesia was her uncle always destined to haunt her wedding? Oh, dear. Were her cousins going off to see a movie, leaving her alone with that monster when she was 12 years old? Uh, always that's what that meant part was to about. Be. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I think, I think this story will affect people who've had some sort of trauma that leaves them wondering, why me? Mm, yeah. And it's very, very difficult. Um, you know, if you're religious, you say, but why, God? Why would you do this to me? Mm -hmm. If you're not religious, you go, why, why is this happening to me? We, we, we can't explain. 
Mm. Um, some things that happen to us, we can't justify them sometimes. Yeah, and as humans, we kind of seek that, right? We try to find a reason for things happening. Uh, yeah. And that and third reading really, yeah, struck home with the inevitabilities, as, as she called it. Exactly. Yeah. She, she can't change the past. Mm. All she can do is comfort herself yeah. and find a way to move past the trauma that she suffered. And it's really, really tough. Um, and is this where it ends, by the way? This is the it. Story. This is it, yes. We don't know. She's getting on the plane. We don't know if things will resolve with her husband. Mm. We don't know what, a, what her friendship with Jin will be. But it feels like this is, this is the journey of self-discovery. And she has to go on this journey before healing can occur. And mm. it's only as she's about to get on the plane to go home that she's able to say, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Mm, these are apparently Hindu words, Siska says, from Indonesia, saying, oh, it's interesting the writer even put those down like that in the book. Yeah, it because it's, nice touch. it's the process. We're all broken human beings, whether we like it or not, <laughs> whether we want to admit it or not. Even Denny over there in the corner is a broken human being. Um, and we're all trying to find out uh, a way out of... <laughs> of the pit that we're in. It could be a pit of pain, mm. a, bit, a pit of despair, a pit of confusion. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, even if people don't speak out, we know that everybody needs love and healing. Of and course. not everybody feels like they get it. Not everybody feels like they deserve it. Mm. But we deserve it. No matter what we may think about ourselves, we deserve to take time to heal, time mm. to meditate, time to find a way to heal ourselves, to heal that spiritual pain, to heal the physical suffering and to regain peace. And this book, like last week's book, is a call mm. basically saying, I'm here. You may be like me. Mm. And if you're like me, well, that's OK. a y There is hope. There is a future for us. Yeah. We can find a way forward. In this kind of different format, you know, last week, really, the, the transcripts, a lot of them from real counselling sessions, this one may be a more kind of indirect way of dealing with it. But just as healing, perhaps for some people who might find this very useful. I've been looking and listening to like experts talking about this recently, like free will and is everything predestined and fate and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't, is it? I don't think the answer to that question is the important part, right? It's just accepting what's happened has happened and what you can maybe do about the future is what counts, right? But if it's predestined, then you can't do anything about it. Yeah, but we don't know what's going to happen, right? That's what I've thought. I thought. I, I do believe everything is kind of predestined. There's nothing we can do about it. But it's like... Did you expect this? No, Did you expect this? Did you expect this? I didn't expect it, but it would have happened no matter what, is what I feel. But, because I didn't know... I'm kind of like this little passenger, right, in a way. And I'm like watching a movie, basically. And I can't do anything about a movie on a screen, but I can enjoy it. You know, no, no, Rita, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree with you here. You are the writer of your life. Uh-huh. You are the one that is putting pen to paper. Uh-huh. You are the one that can make the change if you want to make the change. If you say I'm a passenger and yeah. you let things just happen to you, things will never change. Ah, yeah. Peter, you need to you need to get your pen out. You need to get your typewriter, your keyboard, whatever, and you just say the next chapter is going to be this because if you don't, uh-huh. you will wake up and you will be seventy three years old and you will go. Well, that was a fun ride. 
but you never got to drive. The steering wheel was always waiting for you, but you chose to sit in the passenger seat. I like that. That's very inspirational. But I, I, I think you can, you can still be holding the steering wheel, right? You can still be driving. But what I'm, what I'm believing more and more is that if we were put in this situation a billion times, what makes you think that anything would go any differently? Like we're the people we are. We have the decisions to make that we make. Some of them are random, and in that case, if they're random, then you know there's no thought or conscious decision behind them. And if they are thought through. If you thought them through a hundred times, you'd come to the same conclusion every time, would you not? I, 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 I In the words know. of Dylan Thomas, <laughs> rage against the dying of the light. Peter Bint, <laughs> we only have one life to live. And this is your choice, okay. your decision to make. You can live your life in the moment. You can make positive changes, find peace within yourself, <laughs> or you can just go along for the ride. I don't know. I really like the ride. That's the thing. Like, I love my life, and I, I'm, I'm kind yeah. of happy watching the okay, film. You wanna re- I want you to read Siska's <laughs> message right now. I would have done that in read any right other multi. I'm telling you, I'm taking control. So Siska says, just like me, before the bomb tragedy, I only worked, 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 and was saving money. After that, I tried to travel more, enjoy life, thinking how if I died, what I wouldn't have done. Yeah. You know, all the things I wouldn't have done. In 2016, I almost burnt to death thanks mm-hmm. to someone setting fire to my building. Siska... My experience was different to yours, but I agree 100% with your sentiment. We live because we are alive, Peter Bint. Yes. And yes. I will fight you for it. <laughs> <laughs> fight was predestined to occur. Uh, I'm not going to fight you. <laughs> that was predestined to be cancelled. <laughs> I'm fighting you again. <laughs> as ever, thank you so much for your readings, Paul. You've got some people to thank as well, Paul. Uh, yes, thanks to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for the help with copyright mission for this broadcast. Thank you to E.K. Kung for her painful but brilliant story and to Bruce Fulton and Ju-Chan Fulton for their great translation. Next week, the book will be another novella, Dust Star by E. Kyung. I will be back after living my life another week, taking control, <laughs> grasping my destiny and enjoying every day as it comes. Fantastic. Have a wonderful week. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.